Hey, it's Jay Keith. A couple quick things before we get to this brand new episode of Go Fact Yourself. If you're listening to this on or before Sunday, August 20th, and you're in the Los Angeles area, come and see us on Sunday, August 20th in the Los Angeles area. We'll be at the Center for Inquiry with a live audience recording of our show at 7 p.m. with guests Ed Begley Jr. and Glozell. Then we're back on Sunday, September 10th at 7 p.m. at the Center for Inquiry West with scheduled guests Allison Tolman and Mike Schmidt. Then Friday, October 6th, at 7 p.m., our special show at the Barnes & Noble at The Grove with Keegan-Michael Key and L. Key. And Saturday, December 2nd at 7 p.m., back with our friends at LAist The Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena with exciting guests to be announced. I think that might be it. If Helen were here, she'd say something like, and now, here's me. So, that. Thanks so much. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Sarah Rodenbaugh. And now, recording remotely from our home in Los Angeles, here's our moderator and my fiance, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Sarah. I like how you changed well, from our... Well, it's true. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm very grateful that it's true. Uh, I love how you changed uh, from our homes to our home, because yes, we are in the same home. Uh, Sarah, you were very kind enough to step in for Helen Hong, who uh, had to bow out at the last minute. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And uh, it's our pleasure as well, because not only are you a wonderful comedic actor, but you happen to be in the same room. So that's uh, that's also very convenient. So convenient. Well, Sarah, of course, a lot of our listeners will have heard you on previous episodes. You've done a What's the Difference before. You've been on some of our ads before. And I believe we even did a little plug, I think it was over a year ago, when you were raising money for your short film. Definitely over a year ago. And a lot has happened since then. Tell us what's going on with your short film, as if I don't already know. We did exceed our goal. And we are very proud of that because, you guys, raising funds is, like, hard. Mm. So we actually made the movie in October of last year. The total running time is 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. It is absurd to think about how much time went into creating this thing. And it's 15 minutes. And of course, I may not be objective, but I think it is wonderful. Uh, the short film is called Hangman, and uh, it is currently making the festival circuit. Uh, tell people about where it's been screening and where people can see it coming up. We had our world premiere in Dallas, which was such a great experience, and it was a wonderful film festival. We also got into LA Shorts International Film Festival and the Burbank International Film Festival. And if you'd like to see the film, which I, of course, welcome... Go to hangmanfilm.com and you'll see all of the festival dates there. So please come. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming and filling in today. And thank you for um, filling my heart on a daily basis. Sarah Rodenbaugh. Oh my God, barf. (laughs) Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Sarah, who is up first. She is a storyteller, writer, and performer who retired from a 30-year career as a Grammy-nominated stand-up comedian. It's Lisa Lampanelli. Hello, Lisa. Yay! Oh, my God. Hello. You. I like a nice 
nice short intro. <laughs> yeah. And I enjoyed what you said because those are the highlights. Well, you've done a lot. Oh. You've done a lot. Well, okay. of course, people have long known you as a stand-up, especially from the wonderful work you've done on Roast. You've sold out Radio City Music Hall and Carnegie Hall. Uh, and then you retired. Uh, you announced that about five years ago now on The Howard Stern Show. How is retirement treating you? Retirement is horrifyingly <laughs> difficult. People don't ever understand that it's this huge transition from your identity being yeah. one thing and then suddenly you're just somebody living in a town. <laughs> and what's wild is I am finally, after all these years, five years of like, oh my God, I have to have more purpose. I have to mm -hmm. do more. It's like, oh, I could just relax and be. Yeah. So I just cobbled together a silly social life and a little tiny bit of volunteering. I mean, as little as I could get away with so I don't feel guilty. <laughs> and have my three dopey rescue dogs who I clean up after constantly. And I kind of just... It's finally setting in that that's okay. Mm. Well, you retired from stand-up, but not from performing. Tell us about uh, some of the shows that you've been doing. And I know some of them specifically deal with the topics of weight and body image issues. Right. Well, before I retired, I had started writing this show um, about food and body image issues called Stuffed. And it was off-Broadway for two uh, runs, which was really mm -hmm. cool. Then I, when I fully retired... Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I still have a little something to say. And I noticed that I failed at a lot of things mm. through my life. And I think a show about failure is kind of good to do for people to see, oh, somebody who you think is probably successful has failed at 50 other things. <laughs> we did it four times. And then it's interesting with writing a show and just getting it out. You don't have to do it mm. anymore. Who knows? I probably in a year will be like, oh, now I have a podcast. Now I have a uh. this. Now but for now, let's hope, hope that I get to sit and just enjoy life for a yes, little let's, while. Let's all pray that you don't sink so low that you end up having a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually, I am proud to say I have not one but two failed podcasts, <laughs> but I do enjoy the podcasting forum. It's all I listen to. So I applaud you guys for oh, doing that. Oh, thank you so oh, much. That's I'm, nice. I don't think I mentioned this. I'm a huge fan. And so it's amazing that, to, to be able to speak with you. And, and that's one of the reasons I kind of did this podcast was to have, a, have an excuse to Aww. talk with people I admire. That's really nice. I'm always shocked that anyone knows who I am. Really? I'm not kidding. My manager always said I had a disproportionate sense of not knowing my level. <laughs> and sometimes I'd quiz her and I go, like, Am I more well-known than so-and-so or less than that? Yeah. And where did you end up? Who did you end up between in, in terms of how you how famous you think you are? I think I'm in between Jeff Ross and a circus clown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not as wide of a gap as people might think. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, speaking of celebrity, I have to ask you about this. You were on a season of Celebrity Apprentice. Um, Oy vey. How do you look back on that now? Yeah. This was before, you know, Mr. Trump was into politics yeah. or anything. So it was not charged with anything odd. I clearly wouldn't, you know, do it now. Sure. Now, I think that it was the hardest work I have ever done in my life. Oh, wow. They keep you going. I'm not kidding. 14 hour days, six days a week, plus three hours in hair and makeup because I was over 50 and you need <laughs> a lot of help, girl. But I am happy because not to brag, yeah. but I raised $180,000 for the gay men's health crisis. And after I took my mere 75% cut, I helped a lot of people. <laughs> you know what they say, every little bit helps. And in that case, That's a right. little bit. Yes. 
Yes, sir. Last thing I want to ask you about, you were on another competition show where you got to live my dream because you were a contestant on my very favorite show, Taskmaster. You were on the U.S. version. Yes. What was that experience like? Because I, I, I just think that has to be the most fun and challenging and bizarre He can't stop watching to... it. Yeah. Well, this is a show that if people don't know, it's a U.K. staple. Like, people mm-hmm. love it in the U.K. And I was shocked that in America, literally we do one season yeah. with the same hosts in Britain and no one watched it. So I'm like another failure to add to my show so but but it was really fun to be honest with you they were so kind everyone couldn't have been more accommodating to our different needs and i was on with freddie highmore that kid who's in the good doctor i mean this is a big star so i was like wow this is really fun so i have to say that was a home run to me as far as the whole process Versus The Apprentice, which was like, oy vey, yeah. kill me now. Yeah, it's funny. The, the U.S. version of Taskmaster had only one season, and yeah. uh, The Apprentice had way too many. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank so you. Interesting, interesting contrast there. We're looking forward to seeing how you do on this competition today. We're so happy that you joined us, Lisa Lampanelli. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Sarah, against whom will Lisa be competing? He is a sports writer and novelist with six books, including How Lucky and his latest, The Time Has Come, it's Will Leach. Hi, Will Leach. Hey, thank you for having me. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, meet Lisa Levinelli. That's actually very exciting. <laughs> I am definitely one of those people who knew, who knew who she was. I'm very, very <laughs> Very cool. In addition to what Sarah has mentioned, you also were the founder of Deadspin. You're a contributing editor to New York Magazine, co-host of the Grierson Leach Podcast, and a national correspondent for MLB.com. You were just back from seeing MLB games in uh, an unusual locale. Tell us about that. Yes, I I have never been to London. So I went to London for the reason that people traditionally go to London, which is to watch baseball games between two teams from the Midwest. Sure, sure, sure. My parents, I'm from a very small town in rural Illinois, and my parents literally got a passport for this trip. Oh, you took your folks? (laughs) I took my parents and my my younger sister. So it was very cool. It was very funny to see the Brits want to engage the game, but Mm. maybe a little bit confused by it. They would Mm. say things like, smash the ball, smash the ball over the wall. I was like, yes. (laughs) I love that. I would say that. Yes, that is a thing that baseball fans regularly say. (laughs) It it really was a wonderful time. London is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. I live in in Athens, Georgia now. I lived in New York City for 13 years. London is an absolutely beautiful city. Very cool. Uh, You mentioned being from Athens, Georgia. Your new novel, The Time Has Come, takes place in Athens, Georgia. How does Athens show up uh, in the novel? And did your living there provide specifics that uh, were helpful to writing it? Yeah, you know, one of the major characters in the book is a longtime roadie and kind of sound guy and production guy at a local music club. And of course, our yeah, Athens is famously a great American mm-hmm. music city. The story I always tell about this is the first time I ever took my kids to a holiday parade and I heard a Euro Trash Girl playing in the parade, the song Euro Trash mm-hmm. Girl. And then I realized, oh, I love this song. This is great. And then I realized as it came by, it was actually the band Cracker playing it <laughs> out of the back of a truck. So it is a place where the 90s, my era of music, yeah. uh, never died. And so it's truly <laughs> wonderful. So to be able to, there's a lot of different parts about the city that uh, are, are essentially located in the book. The book is uh, is all about music, but it's also about kind of the political time mm-hmm. we've kind of been going through. And of course, Georgia has become a place that right. uh, I've certainly discovered from the last few years, all my friends in New York because of election night now can name every individual county in Georgia. Uh, so, so I always like to point out like, yeah, so Clark, I'm in yeah. Clark. That's one of the blue ones. <laughs> to be able to set a novel there makes a lot of sense. You mentioned that the time
Time Has Come is not a sequel, but in the same universe as the previous yes. book, as, as How Lucky, which of course was an Edgar Award nominee. You actually had the praises of your book sung by a, another very famous mystery writer. Tell us about that and what that was like for you. I was known primarily before the book as a sports writer, and so mm-hmm. I wanted to write something entirely different. So I have no context in the book industry. Mm-hmm. My editor did literally did not, he, he read the book, loved it, and said, wait, you write about sports? I'm like, oh, those are the most beautiful words anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) What I think think kind of speaks to is basically what happened. One morning, my editor got an email from Stephen King. And Stephen King sent an email. I was like, what the hell is this book that you gave? He had no idea who I was. Uh, And to me, this speaks a lot to who Stephen King is. Mm. Stephen King, obviously, probably the most successful novelist of the last however many years, he is so much in love with words and so much in love with books and love with the world of discovering new writers and new universes. He just picked up my book one day, started reading it and said, oh my gosh, I love this. Who is this guy? What is going on? That to me is an absolute remarkable, Mm. remarkable thing. And he ended up actually tweeting about it at like 1130 on like a Saturday night during the pandemic. And I was, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, there goes my sleep for the night. This is all I'm going to be dealing with. (laughs) It was truly wonderful and and pretty incredible thing for him to do. And listen, Richard Russo, another one of my favorite novelists, uh, Mm. Carl Hyas, and some of my favorite writers in the world were were big fans of the book. I was very, very fortunate. That's so meaningful. How cool. It's really, and I I still have never had a conversation with him, by the way. I still have never (laughs) actually spoken with him. His name now all over the book. Yeah. But it's almost more prominent than mine. <laughs> but uh, certainly, I think uh, a very, very cool thing, no question. Well, it's also very cool that you joined us today. Congrats on the book, everyone. It's Will Leach. Yes. All right, Will and Lisa, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Lisa, you said that you know and love punctuation, spelling, and 1980s new wave music. Whereas, Will, you said you know and love Roger Ebert's movie reviews, the fighters in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! game, and songs from Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell album. Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Jury Box. First up is Lisa with jury. Lisa, while both might put you in front of a jury, what's the difference between a summons and a subpoena? A summons and a subpoena. Part of me thinks a summons, it doesn't get served to you and you have to go. It's you Like, I think a parking ticket's considered a summons mm-hmm. and you can just pay it. Okay. So I think the subpoena is like you have to go to court mm-hmm. and testify and appear. I watch a lot of Law and Order uh, and absorb nothing. All right. <laughs> all right. We've got Lisa's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Will, anything you want to change or add? I feel like the summons is the initial request and the subpoena is the official document. That's uh, probably wrong, too. All right. Well, we'll find out. It's time to sequester this segment. Let's go to Sarah Rodenbaugh at the judge's table for the facts. Here are the facts. A summons is a document you receive before a trial begins ordering you to appear in court because you are being sued or charged with an infraction or crime. A subpoena is a document you receive after a trial begins, ordering you to appear in court because you have testimony or evidence to offer in a case. That's right. Now, a summons also might be the notice that you've been called to serve for jury duty. I personally think that serving on a jury is a patriotic act of service that everyone should do unless you can get out of it. Sarah, how did our guest do? (laughs) Lisa said you have to 
go to court to testify for a subpoena. So I'm going to give Lisa one point for that. Mm -hmm. And Will said the summons is the initial request, which is true. It's before a trial begins. So I'm going to give one point for that. So one point for each. All right. One point for each of you. Very nice. All right. Up next in Jury Box is Will with Box. Will, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Sarah? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. My name is Rich Permenter from Arnold, Missouri. My question for What's the Difference is, while you're unlikely to find a jury in either one, when it comes to packaging, what's the difference between a box and a carton? Love the show. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much, Rich. All right, Will, you heard Rich. What is the difference between a box and a carton? And we're speaking of ones that are made of paper materials. You don't need to describe the Ark of the Covenant or anything. Uh, I'd like to note that uh, my sister used to live in Arnold, Missouri. So oh, how about that? Uh, a box is an individual and a carton is a collection uh, of boxes. All right, we've got Will's answer. Very succinct. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Lisa, anything you want to change or add? Well, I'd like to make a note that my sister used to live in a cardboard box, okay. so I'm just saying. <laughs> and mine was in a um, carton, so whatever yeah, it is. I know I'm wrong, but I'm going to say a box is thinner, and I believe that the carton is something that has that corrugated stuff that's just more reinforced, but I know I'm wrong. All right, well, we appreciate confidence <laughs> in all of its forms. <laughs> all right, it is time to close and seal this segment. Let's go to Sarah Rodenbaugh at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A box is usually made from a thicker paper material Ooh. like corrugated cardboard, usually Ew. designed to hold solids, usually made for shipping, and often can be reused. Plus, it's box-shaped, like a square rectangle. A carton is usually made from a thinner paper material, is sometimes coated to hold liquids, is usually made for product packaging, and often cannot be reused. Cartons are often not box-shaped, like an egg carton or a milk carton. That's right. There's actually a paper material called carton, which is a thin kind of cardboard, so you can have a carton made of carton, and there's nothing better to put in a carton carton than a boxed wine. Sarah, how did our guest do? <laughs> Will said that a box is an individual where carton is a collection of boxes. Um, so I don't think we get any points there where Lisa said the box is thinner and the carton is corrugated, which we got switched around. So I don't yeah. think either of them get any points on that one. No, I'm terribly sorry. But what is our score at the end of that round? After the first round, Lisa Lampanelli has one point and Will Leach has one point. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, honey, it's you doing the ad. Hi, again, I love it. Excellent. Well, I know one thing that you do love also is Soylent. I do. They have so many good flavors. Oh, my God, the banana. Honey, they don't even know what Soylent is yet. What is it? You're right. Okay, well, Soylent is a meal replacement, but it doesn't have to replace all your meals. I would drink, like, maybe half of it because mm -hmm. it has such high protein, low sugar, and then I would drink the other half later. It was awesome, and the flavors are amazing. Well, honey, I mean, what, is it in some sort of a container that you have to put a plastic wrap on or tinfoil on to, to make sure you can use it again later? No, honey, it's a resealable container that you can take with you or leave in the fridge for later. Well, honey, does it have just a few grams of plant-based protein? No, honey, it has so many. It has 20 plant-based 
protein grams, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats. And like I said, it can be a meal replacement. So it's 400 calories of slower burning carbs in one delicious serving. Okay, but Soylent probably just makes that one protein shake complete meal product, huh? No, honey. They make nutrition bars and other powders, and so many of them are formulated with a proprietary blend of B vitamins, even caffeine, in case that's something that you're needing, and all kinds of essential nutrients. Okay, but you're probably just saying that as my fiance, who's joining the show, you probably don't actually know anything about nutrition. Okay, well, I'm a certified nutrition coach, So I do know what I'm talking about. And when we're talking about a complete protein, this has that. And that can be difficult to find sometimes. All right. But I bet those ingredients are made outside of the country and not sustainably sourced. No, honey. That's another thing that's important to me. It's made from U.S. grown, sustainably sourced ingredients. So it's good for us and the planet. Okay. Well, I bet there's no way for our listeners to save on Soylent using a special coupon code. Oh, honey. I'm wrong again. <laughs> go to Soylent.com slash go fact. Soylent, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T dot com slash go fact. And use go fact to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent, S-O-Y-L-E-N-T dot com slash go fact. And code go fact for 20% off your first order. It's a good deal. It does sound like a good deal. And it's a great way to support the show. And that's why we say... Thank you, Soylent. Honey, I didn't really doubt you. Thank God, finally. Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show. And this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader, Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of the show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I'd discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests Lisa Lampanelli and Will Leach. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much. All right, Lisa, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love punctuation, spelling, and 1980s new wave music, which featured a lot of punctuation and spelling. (laughs) Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Okay. I was famous for quite a while as a stand-up comedian, and when you just concentrate on your career, you do not develop interests or hobbies. (laughs) Therefore, when you ask me what I'm interested in, I'm like, absolutely nothing. I couldn't care less. But I had gone to college for journalism at Syracuse. Ah. And so we learned a lot about spelling, punctuation, and grammar. And I'm an expert. I'm fantastic at it. And I probably won't have it be something that you picked because it's boring and normal. (laughs) I do, however, know a lot about 80s music because I happened to just win a trivia contest on a delightful low-end carnival cruise line. Oh, that's so fun. It was horrifying, but it was fun. I took a friend of mine and his son, and we played, it rained the whole cruise, which is my perfect cruise because I hate (laughs) the outdoors. 
So it ended up, we won an 80s trivia contest. And I said, well, I guess I'm an expert in that because it was a (laughs) perfect score. So I'll probably lose this time. But if you wanted me to spell loser, I can spell it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, do you have a favorite piece of punctuation or a favorite piece of 1980s new wave music? Well, I will tell you, I am very fond of the semicolon Mm. because people don't know how to use it. Uh, I bet our other guests know and our experts know. But I will challenge you to do, and a long dash. You know, I'm very, I'm very interested in what they call an M dash. As far as 80s music goes, you cannot get me to stop singing What Have I Done to Deserve This by the Pet Shop Boys because I'm a victim my entire life is me saying What Have I Done to Deserve This and that's what I'm saying right now doing this show. Oh, excellent. Well, what have I, what have I, what have I done to deserve you joining this show? It's wonderful. Uh, all right, well, to summarize, Lisa, you said you know and love punctuation, spelling, and 1980s new wave music. Today we want to quiz you about spelling. Oh! <laughs> the reason I won the 80s thing mm-hmm. was because they played a song and then I named it and I spelled the name of the Pet Shop Boys correctly. And I even put the exclamation point after wham. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm <laughs> nailing it. So the fact that you even picked spelling, I'm very excited. Excellent. Please stick to five letter words or less. I cannot promise that. That might have been Damn something it. that if you had specified that in your topic, spelling of five letter words, we might have. But let's see what happens. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Will, do listen closely because if Lisa answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, Will, how much do you know about spelling? Hey, listen, I went to journalism school at the University of Illinois. So and I have a friend, one of my best friends is a professor, a journalism professor at the University of Syracuse. So, uh, or Syracuse University, excuse me. So uh, I'm, I, that doesn't make me a better speller, but at least we are equally academically alike. Yes. And, I, and by the way, I would like to interrupt and say, I think you pulled a fast one to throw me off. But my uh, contestant here, mm-hmm. my, what do you call Your uh, challenger? Opponent. Yes. Opponent. Opponent. Looks exactly like, and this is the best compliment I could give you because he's the best. You look just like Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai, and I am resentful <laughs> that now I have to gaze at you and be oh. smitten. Go ahead. For the record, that 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 guy sucks. <laughs> oh, no. so. But he's so good at karate. Let's see, Lisa, if you can metaphorically sweep the leg in this quiz. Yes. Here is yes. question number one about spelling. As Tom Lehrer noted for his song on The Electric Company, there's a certain magical letter that can turn a can into a cane, turn a pan into a pain, and cause a little hug to become huge instantly. If you just add what quiet vowel? I want to thank you, first of all, for giving me one easy question. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It would be an E unless this is a trick. Uh, A little more specific we're looking for. What is that kind of E called when it's uh, put on a word like that? An E lowercase. (laughs) <laughs> a silent E, a real quiet E. <laughs> Sarah? That is correct. The that silent is correct. Yes. E. Yes, it is silent E. Very nice. Fun fact, one of the most famous spelling errors in history involved adding a silent E when it wasn't needed. The E at the end of potato, as instructed by former Vice President Dan Quayle, whose title and last name both have silent E's. Yes, I love your very casually throwing in a fact. Thank you so Thank much. You. That's sort of what That's the what show he is. does. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. Sarah has seen a lot of that in our relationship. Constantly. Uh, 
<laughs> All right, here's question number two. Lisa, in 2022, the company behind the app Word Tips conducted a study of misspelled English words in over 2 billion tweets from around the world. It found that in 47 countries, including the United States, the word misspelled the most often is coolly, meaning something done in a cool manner. Teach the world how it's done and correctly spell coolly. C-O-O-L-L-Y. Sarah? That is correct. That is correct. Very well done. Very coolly done, you could say. Yay. Fun fact, in tweets from the United States, coolly was misspelled, usually with only one L, a staggering 66% of the time on Twitter, more than twice the rate of the second most misspelled word, minuscule. Could I spell that for you? If you if you want to show off, it won't be worth a point. M-I-N-I-S-C-U-L-E. Good thing it wasn't worth a point because that is not quite correct. <laughs> yes, yes. Wait a minute. F- fun fact, M- though, when I was writing this fun fact, I misspelled minuscule until uh, Spellcheck told me it is M-I-N-U-S-C-U-L-E. Oh. No point lost or gained, though, there, Lisa. But here is question number three. It's weird that I before E except after C is considered a spelling rule because there are over 80 common exceptions in English. Name two words that when correctly spelled break the alleged I before E except after C rule. Can it be a proper noun such as Leif Garrett, L-E-I-F, and uh, I do not know what song he sang because no one does. And Veil. And Veil. Sarah? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice job. Uh, she also could have done my last name, yes. by the way, if she wanted Yes. <laughs> it's Leach. L-A-I-T-C-H. Yes. yes, you also could have done my middle name. Both our <laughs> names are on the screen in front of you. Also, two exceptions to the rule are in the question that we asked you, because we said it's weird and there are over 80 common exceptions. Weird and 80 also would have qualified. Nevertheless, Lisa, you are three for three. Here's question number four. You do have your two hints available. Lisa, just because you have a name that some people find difficult to spell doesn't mean you can't have success in show business. So there goes that excuse for me. (laughs) Take talented Irish actor Saoirse Ronan. She's got four Oscar nominations. When she finally wins an Oscar, how should her name be spelled on her award? Oh, that's a tough one. I think... And again, me thinking heavily about this isn't going to help. Can I have a hint, sir? Sarah, how about that first hint? Ronan is like Conan, but with an R. Sersha looks like it should be pronounced Sayorsi. Say-o-s-a-i-r-s-e-r-o-n-a-n. Probably wrong, but I tried, you guys. Sarah? Very, very close, but incorrect. No, I'm terribly sorry. Will with a chance to steal. Okay, first off, capital S. A O I R S E, capital R O N A. Sarah? That is correct. That is correct. Successful steal from Will Leach. Very nice job. Lisa applauding very politely for her competitor. <laughs> Fun fact Sersha means freedom, as does the name Liberty, as does the name Freedom. All right, Lisa, let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. You do have a second hint available. We would never shame anyone for being a bad speller. That's what the internet is for. In 2012, a photo of a marquee at West Hill High School in Syracuse, New York, went viral due to a misspelling announcing a school closure in January of that year. How did someone misspell the name of that federal holiday? Look, all I'm going to say is I object to this question because it's not a spelling question. It's a Mm -hmm. current events question. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use that second hint. Oh, yeah, I better because I don't know. (laughs) Sarah, how about that second hint? Remember, it's a holiday that takes place in January and the 
sign made it seem like the person the holiday honors is from another planet. Martian Luther King. Sarah? That is correct. That is correct. I bet you like the question now, Lisa. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't get that point because I was mean and objected to it. And by the way, since we're being mean, mm -hmm. do you realize none of your fun facts are that much fun? I, I have been told that many times. <laughs> uh, perhaps... Fun fact, uh, <laughs> according to biographies, although Martin Luther King had a vast vocabulary, he was not a particularly good speller and often relied on his sister Christine to help him. Martin Luther King, by the way, is sadly not an uncommon misspelling on Twitter. Terrible. <laughs> oh, Twitter. All right, Lisa, you did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Lisa, since 1925, a national spelling bee has dazzled audiences around the world as young people compete for cash and prizes. The most recent winner, 14-year-old Dev Shah, successfully spelled Samophile to claim his championship. For up to three points, what company, whose name is now in the title of the national spelling bee, runs the event... What is the correct spelling of Dev Shah's winning word, Samophile, meaning an organism that prefers or thrives in sandy soils? And what is the correct spelling of Dev Shah? I think it wasn't Scripps Howard. Okay. And I could spell that. S-C-R-I-P-P-S. <laughs> okay. Howard, as in Howard Jones, who was also known for 80s music. Is it Dev Shaw? Dev Shaw. D-E-V. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, since I know it's wrong, I'm going to capitalize the B. Shaw, um, <laughs> <laughs> like in Shawshank, S-H-A-W. And there's, if this kid won with Samophile, there's no way I'm getting it, but I'm going to put it out there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spell it like a psalm. Okay. So it's P-S-A-M-O-P-H-I-F-L-E. I-L-E. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Sarah is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Sarah, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a 14-year-old student who is the reigning champion of the Scripps National Spelling Bee. It's oh. Dev Shaw. Woo! That's awesome. Wow, dude. Hello, Dev Shaw. Can you hear us? Hello. Yep. It's nice to see everyone. So nice to see you as well. Congratulations on your victory. Thank you. Dev, this was actually your third time in the B. Last year, you actually didn't even make it out of your regional competition. What made the difference for you this year? Probably took it more seriously because mm. it was my last year of eligibility. You can only do the spelling bee until eighth grade. Very, very cool. It was 15 rounds. Was the final word Samophile? Was that the hardest of the words in the rounds? Uh, yes. It was. Okay. I read that you actually had not heard that word before. That was not a word that you remember studying. It wasn't, but you can guess it right if you listen to the information. Maybe okay. you can guess it right, yeah. Dad. <laughs> were you confident that you were right? When you finished the word, you're like, oh, yeah, I got it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You oh, what know. a great feeling. What a great feeling. Mm -hmm. You won over $50,000 in cash and a bunch of other prizes. Are you planning on spending that on anything fun? Um, No, not really. Okay. Probably just college. Yeah, college. College Boo. is fun. I've heard college can be fun. If uh, <laughs> College, college can, be can be fun. College That's great. Fun. And what did you do to celebrate that night? We all just went to Chipotle and... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. That, that's a fun way to celebrate. I, I love Chipotle. I'll celebrate all the time at Chipotle. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was literally how President Biden uh, <laughs> celebrated his election. See, it's a national <laughs> celebration, too. Uh, yeah. 
Exactly. What other kinds yeah. of cool things have you gotten to do since you won the B, besides obviously being on this show? We did a tour of the White House, and they took us to some talk show in New York City. Mm-hmm. And those are the coolest things. That's Very cool. so cool. Not everybody gets to go to the White House. Or a talk show. Yes. Or a talk show. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. Does this count as a talk show, though? Yes. Thank you, Will. Yay! Thank you. Will, will validating what my father will not. <laughs> of course, it takes a lot of hard work to be a spelling bee champion. I understand you began competing in spelling bees at a, at a young age. Uh, tell us when you started. I started competing in second grade, but studying for them, I started in fifth grade. And, and what does studying look like? You kind of have to find out what works best for you mm-hmm. and what works best for me is typing oh so i would just i would type words i had trouble with and that helped you to to remember it yeah but i understand it's not just a matter of memorizing how things are spelled you also are trying to remember definitions or roots how do you go about absorbing that kind of information so i can explain it with the word samophile oh great samophile means something that lives in the sand Mm -hmm. so samophile comes from two greek parts and i didn't really know the word at all but you could still piece it out together if you knew them. So the first part is samo meaning sand mm-hmm. and file meaning lover, as in one who loves the sand or right. lives in the sand. Got it. Okay. So you're making uh, educated guesses can be a big part of a strategy as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you're no longer eligible for the bees now that you've graduated from eighth grade. Uh, will you continue to study though? Or are you done with it all? Um, well, I continue to study for the bee, no, but I will definitely continue to study for my own pleasure. Yeah, because you really get a lot of joy out of it. Yeah. That's great to see. Definitely not as much as before, but definitely a little here and there. You also have worked with coaches, and I understand that you have become a coach for some others. What is involved in coaching someone for a spelling bee? I make sure that they really understand it, and they're not just memorizing a word. Because mm. I don't want them to just like get a word they don't know and get out on that. I'd rather them try to guess and do their best. That's a very good strategy. Last thing I want to ask you about, uh, I read that you are a big fan of the game Wordle, which would make sense Mm -hmm. as someone who loves to spell words. Uh, What is your current streak? Right now, zero. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What happened? Mine is higher. Mine is higher. Will, please, we definitely brought you on to make fun of a 14-year-old. So I appreciate you fulfilling your destiny. Uh, Dad, what happened, buddy? I do play it, but I'm not good at it. Oh, that's I usually, I usually get it like at six tries okay. most of the times. Yeah. Oh, I would have thought that uh, being that being such a good speller and knowing so many words would help, but but why doesn't that translate into a word game like that? The first, my starting word would be adieu, like goodbye in French, uh-huh. A D I E U, because uh-huh. that gives four vowels. Ah. Wait, do you guys have a starting word? Roate, R-O-A-T-E. It's got a couple of consonants in there. Like the three most popular. Oh, interesting. That's classy because right. mine's poise. I can't count them, but there's a lot of vowels in there. I don't have a strategy like that. I usually, if I'm, I usually am doing it while I'm listening to a podcast. So I just listen for whatever the next five letter word is that they say. And then I start from there, which may explain my statistics. But anyway, Deb, this is about I you. assume Lisa would be good at it because she likes five letter words. Oh, very dude, nice. Yeah. Dude, I love you because you listen. That's, That's right. That's going to be a very big success in life because you listen, yes. you absorb. And I am good at Wordle, but sadly I do it right at midnight every night because I'm a night person. But then Same there's here. no, oh, cool. There's nobody to brag to when I get it in like three and I just feel sad instead that I have no friends who are awake. So I'll call you, dude. I once like did it in three and uh, it was like at midnight. So I kind of called 
two of my friends and they were like, why are you waking me up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you each have someone new to call. How fun. All right, Deb, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Lisa. First, we wanted to know what company whose name is now in the title of the National Spelling Bee runs the event. Sarah, what did Lisa say? Lisa said Scripps Howard. And Dev? I don't know if that's correct. It's definitely one of the names of it, but the name that actually... Like when they announced it was EW Scripps, but I think that's correct. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, it is called yeah. it's called, it is called just the Scripps Spelling Bee. I think Howard might be oh. another uh, subsidiary of the company. So, um, very yeah. good. So a point there for Lisa. Very nice. Next, we want to know what was the correct spelling of Dev Shaw's winning word, Samophile. Sarah, what did Lisa say? <laughs> Lisa, you were so close. You, I know. You said I know. I no, know. No, so close. You said P S A M O P H I L E. And Dev? Um, it's really close, but it's P-S-A-M-M-O-P-H-I-L-E. Oh, one M away, but very nicely done up, up wow. until that point. Yeah, Sam, oh, sorry, no point there, though. And finally, wanted to know what is the correct spelling of someone named Dev Shaw. Sarah, what did Lisa say? <laughs> Lisa said D-E capital V S-H-A-W. And Dev? Uh, that's close, but it's D-E-V-S-H-A-H. And uh, do you capitalize uh-huh. the V? <laughs> no, neither do I, by the way, for anyone listening. Okay. I don't think you would capitalize the A at the end of Lisa. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm like you both the stars. Right. Yes. <laughs> no yes. point there. Uh, Lisa, while we have Dev here, anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? Dev, I think you're a badass. Like, I love you. <laughs> I love your vibe. I love your energy. I know you're going to go far. If you ever need career advice, do not ask me because I'm a nobody. <laughs> so God bless you, man. Good for you. And I'll call you at midnight when I do my word and I say, in your face, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. A lot to look okay. forward to. Dev, if people want to find out more about you and where you're up to, where can they do that? Mm, I just started a website. It's spellch.com and you can find out more there. Excellent. I'm sorry. Can you spell that out for, for our listeners? Oh uh, yeah. S-P-E-L-L-S-A-G-E. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll look forward to that and to all the exciting things ahead of you. Congratulations again. And uh, thank you for joining us. By the way, you, I believe, are the youngest person we've ever had on our show. So thank you again so much for being here. Everyone, it's Dev Shaw. Great job, Dev. Yay. All right. What is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Lisa Lampanelli has six points and Will Leach has two points with a round of questions for Will coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Will about a topic he knows about. Plus later, Lisa and Will will go head to head in our fast facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. I'm Yucky Jessica. I'm Chuck Crudsworth. And this is Terrible. A podcast where we talk about things we hate that are awful. Today we're discussing Wonderful, a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hosts Rachel and Griffin McElroy, a real-life married couple. Yuck. Discuss a wide range of topics. Music, video games, poetry, snacks. But I hate all that stuff. I know you do, Yucky Jessica. It comes out every Wednesday, the worst day of the week, wherever you download your podcasts. For our next topic, we're talking Fiona, the baby hippo from the Cincinnati Zoo. I hate this little hippo. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Lisa Lampanelli and Will Leach. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Sarah. All right, Will, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love Roger Ebert movie reviews. 
the fighters in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out game, and songs from Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell album. <laughs> Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you know and love Roger Ebert movie reviews. You can tell how cool I was as a child because my hero growing up was Roger mm. Ebert, not like an athlete or a star, but he is also like me from a small town in central Illinois. And he, to watch him on uh, television every Sunday afternoon was very, very exciting. So I grew up kind of wanting to be a writer like him and I actually went to the University of Illinois and studied journalism like he did, seeing if it would get me a, a it does not yet got me a television program uh, about reviewing movies, but uh, you know, there's yes, but uh, it does get, did get you a podcast and a website where uh, you discuss yes. movies. So uh, very cool. I also shared Roger Ebert as a hero, and I also was oh, a yeah. huge fan of Siskel and Ebert and all of their different incarnations as well. All right, next, please tell us why you know and love the fighters in Mike Tyson's Punch Out game. <laughs> I once, uh, when I was young, I once played that game so often at a friend's house that when my father came to pick me up the next morning, I realized, yo, my dad really kind of looks a lot like Soda Popinski. <laughs> and, I just, and, that's, and he doesn't at yeah. all, by the way. I found the game online recently. You can play it on mm-hmm. your computer. And I realized that, like, I had probably not pay- played it in. 30 years and I knew exactly how to beat every boxer immediately. <laughs> so I realized there are certain things that get in your muscle memory and never leave. And uh, that game. Was yes. So uh, I understand the body blow, body blow. That was a, that was a good technique yes. as well. <laughs> yes. All right. And then finally, Will, tell us why you chose meatloaf's bat out of hell album as a topic. I fell in love with that album when I was actually a sophomore in high school, when I was otherwise listening to like Nirvana and like all sorts of alternative mm-hmm. and like in crazy stuff. I just absolutely fell in love the album at the time i thought oh this is a mistake i why do i like this cheesy stuff and as i've gotten older i love that album so much completely unironically i know it's silly i know it's ridiculous i know it's over the top and it is wonderful so uh shout out to the not only the late marvin leah day but the late jim steinman who of course wrote and uh, produced the album he died recently as well all right well to summarize will you said that you know and love roger ebert movie reviews the fighters in mike tyson's punch out and songs from meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell album. Today we're going to quiz you about songs from Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell album. Yeah. All right. Lisa's very excited too. I oh love it. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I just have to say for years I've called myself the Meatloaf of comedy because I feel... <laughs> oh, not, that's wonderful. Because I felt I always left it out there. Left, mm. it, left it all on the yeah. stage like he that's did. That's the beauty of yeah. it. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Absolutely. Oh. I went to go see the Bat Out of Hell musical. Yes. And it was funny because I for the, I don't know about you. I actually don't have any other friends that listen or know that album as well as I do. So I went and I realized, did they make this musical just for me? There are songs <laughs> off the Dead Ringer album, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that's listened to. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm very excited that we can share this. Uh, did, Woo! did you ever have a chance to see Meatloaf perform, Will? I did not get, get the opportunity. And it was funny because there was a long stretch when I, I was probably around 1991 uh, right before the Bad of Hell 2 album came out that I really I got really into him and no one was into him then mm. and then the second album came out and there was a brief resurgence and then he was on reality television and so on but, but our, our timelines of me being a fan of his music mm. and my concert going experience never quite kind of crossed over. But if I would have been young, if I'd have been the age in like 1977, yeah. I would have totally grateful deaded that up. I would have followed <laughs> yes. him everywhere. May I say one meatloaf fact that you might Please. all enjoy, Please. meaning just me. His spelling of his name was actually meat space loaf. Mm-hmm. So when the New York Times would write about him because they were so meticulous, <laughs> they'd call him Mr. Loaf. Yes. <laughs> Look it up, it's fantastic. Oh, that's funny. 
They should have called it Dr. Loaf. I didn't go all those years of, <laughs> yeah. do- of Loaf school to be called Mr. <laughs> or, please, my father was Mr. Loaf. Call me yes, Meats. Yes. Um, Call me Meats. <laughs> all right. Well, well, just ahead, we're going to list the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Lisa, do listen closely because if Will answers incorrectly, you can steal. I think I know the answer, but Lisa... How much do you know about Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell album? Way too much. And I was listening to it when it came out. So I'm I'm old AF and I love this. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see if Will gives you a chance to come in. Here's question number one. Bad Out of Hell has been described as a very theatrical rock album and for good reason. Many of the songs were originally written by Jim Steinman for a musical theater project, a rock musical about Peter Pan that was to be named for what magical place where Peter Pan lives. I think I've got this one. I think I'm going to, I think it's Neverland. Sarah? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. Fun fact, Bad Out of Hell was a reworking of Neverland, but Neverland was a reworking of a musical called The Dream Engine that Steinman wrote in the late 1960s. In 2017, Bad Out of Hell the musical debuted in Manchester, England, apparently written just for Will Leach. It recently had a residency in Las Vegas. Here is question number two. Songwriter Jim Steinman and producer Todd Rundgren play keyboards and percussion on several tracks on the album, as do two future members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Name either of these two musicians. The guy from Conan. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to okay. get there. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the guy who betrayed Conan at the end. Um, uh, <laughs> Jesus. I, his name is falling out of my head. Um Will, okay. Will, please, I've never known you to minimally know anything. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Max Weinberg, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is correct. That is correct. Oh, wow. A successful awesome. use of the first ever hint from an opponent. I would like to to graciously <laughs> gift half of that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, love, I love people to win, and I love that you got it. Yay. <laughs> Max Weinberg is correct. The other member was Roy Bitten. Fun fact, neither Meatloaf nor Jim Steinman are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, though when Jim Steinman was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, he was introduced by Meatloaf. Yeah, our facts, if not fun, are sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet facts. Yeah, sweet facts. All right, here's question number three. Will, all the songs from the album are now considered rock classics, but when first released, which of the three singles that made the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 charted the highest? I'm going to have a hint because I don't want to get this one wrong because I'm I'm not sure I know the answer. Okay. I want to know. I'm going to take the hint on this one. All right, Sarah, how about that first hint? There are only seven songs on the album, so I could give you the odds of guessing right, but the song gives you its own odds right in the title. That was the one I was going to guess anyway. Uh, Two out of three ain't bad. Sarah? That is correct. You are three out of three, which is even (laughs) less bad. Uh, That is correct. Uh, Two out of three ain't bad tapped out at number 11 in the U.S. You took the words right out of my mouth and Paradise by the Dashboard Light both peaked at number 39. The entire Mm. album, by the way, remains the number one bestseller of all time in Australia. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> Lisa somehow does not like that fun fact. We've gone from that's not a sweet from, fact. Yes, we've gone from sweet fact to sour fact. We've got a sour nation fact. of convicts. They should find it by convicts. <laughs> All right, Will, you're three for three. Here's question number four. The iconic album cover art by sci-fi and comic book artist Richard Corbin depicts a naked motorcyclist bursting out of the ground in a graveyard while a bat looks on from its perch atop a church steeple. You know, rock and roll. 
<laughs> on that motorcycle, what animal skull is mounted in front of the handlebars? Wow. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take the hint on this one as well. Sarah, how about that second hint? Are you ready? <laughs> oh goodness. One more one more time, uh, Sarah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to guess but for the record, if I get this wrong, Sarah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh it sounds like a horse. Sounds like a horse. Sarah that is correct. That is correct. Right. It was a horse. Very nice. Is that nice not a super clear horse? I need to work on my animal. Well, well, Sarah actually spends time with horses, so it might be more accurate than people yes. are expecting. I think I was expecting more of like a, but I don't know if nay. horses. I feel like nay. horses always sound exactly. like that in cartoons, exactly. so what do I know? But it was very effective. Will, you were four for four. Fun fact, the only legible name on any of the tombstones on the cover is artist Richard Corbin's own last name with the date 77 in the lower left of the painting, despite 77 appearing on that gravestone corbin lived until 2020 all right will you have a chance to go five for five but you have no more hints available let's see how you do on your own with question five reading through all of the lyrics in all of the songs on the album as i did this morning you'll find references to three american brand names name any two of them i'm just gonna sing every song to myself <laughs> okay it's, um, it's only an hour show uh cracker jack okay i'm gonna go with buick Sarah, is it Cracker Jack and Buick? One is correct. I, I, I know. I, 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 didn't, I know Buick's not right. I, I knew Cracker Jack was right. Yes, uh, not quite correct. Lisa with a chance to steal. I'm shaming myself by not knowing this, but I'm going to guess Harley Davidson. Sarah? That is not correct. No, very reasonable <sighs> guesses, both of you. You were both in the uh, in the ballpark. Cracker Jack is correct. Coupe de Ville, which is in the same oh! lyric as Cracker Jack, uh, because there ain't no Coupe de Ville hiding uh, at the, the bottom of the a bottom Cracker, of Jack, a cracker box. Jack I guess I've imagined that as a type of car uh, rather than an actual brand name. I yes. understand, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is Levi's from For Crying Out Loud. Oh, oh I know you belong in Levi's. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I yeah. know you belong inside my aching heart and you can't see my faded Levi's bursting apart. However, that is a half a point there for Will. So you did very well in that round. But now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Will, Variety has called Bat Out of Hell's single Paradise by the Dashboard Light the greatest rock duet ever, but this duet actually has more than two voices. In addition to the iconic female lead vocalist, there's the baseball play-by-play -play voiced by an actual Hall of Fame baseball player and announcer, and there's a backup vocalist who would go on to be heard as the male vocalist on another Jim Steinman hit, Total Eclipse of the Heart. For up to three points, name this baseball announcer, name that backup vocalist, and name the female lead vocalist from Paradise by the Dashboard Light. The vocalist is Ellen Foley. Mm -hmm. uh, the broadcaster is Phil Rizzuto. Mm -hmm. I also know that, uh, just for the sake of amusement, mm -hmm. uh, I also know that before he made this album, Meatloaf was a vocalist on the second half of a Ted Nugent album. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is Ted Nugent is not the answer, but hey, who doesn't like talking about Ted Nugent these days? Oh, yes, especially. So, uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll go ahead and say Ted Nugent. All right, we're so glad that you did. All right, well, Sarah is taking note of the answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Sarah, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor and singer whose long career on Broadway, on television, and in music includes singing the female lead on Paradise oh! <laughs> by the Dashboard Light. It's Ellen Foley. Oh, wow. Hi, Ellen Foley. Oh, Holy cow. Hello. It is I. 
Well, you uh, you know, if you had gotten that wrong, we would have had a problem. <laughs> I would have never, ever I know. gotten that wrong. I said, if, I mean, if he didn't know that, you know, that, that would have been pretty sad. Good to meet you. Hello, hello, everyone. Instead of being sad, we're very, very happy to see you, Ellen. We'll talk about Bad Out of Hell in a moment, but my goodness, what an amazing career you've had. You've appeared in TV and films in things like Night Court, Tootsie, Fatal Attraction. You've worked with directors like Milos Forman and Martin Scorsese. On Broadway, you've been in Hair, Into the Woods, and of course, your music recording career. You've had several solo albums with Gold Records, and you've worked with artists including The Clash, Blue Oyster Cult, Joe Jackson, and of course, Meatloaf. Wonderful to have you, and congratulations on an incredible career that is still going on. Still going. Still going. Yes. Uh, Still recording, still performing. I have a theater piece that uh, we're doing, and um, yeah, it's all good. Very cool. This theater piece you're doing, you describe it sort of as a cabaret show. Is this the Club Dada show that you're doing? Yes, it's it's called Club Dada slash Cabaret Kaput. Mm -hmm. It's about two ancient vaudevillians who are are buffeted through time and space and they have to keep performing. They're uh, bossed around by this faceless voice. It's pretty fair and it has great rock and roll songs in it and we just did it at a place called Dixon Place Mm -hmm. in New York, and we're going to continue. Very, very cool. I mentioned that you had been on Broadway and Into the Woods. A lot of people might not know you actually originated that role before it got to Broadway. Tell us how that happened and how closely you worked with Stephen Sondheim. It was the first uh, production. I think they had done readings Mm -hmm. and workshops probably in New York, but this was a full production at the Old Globe in San Diego. And I worked very closely. I mean, it was amazing. Being there, you know, in sort of the inception of the whole thing, Steve, as I never called him, (laughs) gave us all uh, copies of the score. And in mine, he wrote, you are my alpha and omega. Wow. That's got a, that's yeah. quite an honor, right? You're, you're telling that with a huge it smile. <laughs> I am. I mean, you know, it's supposedly, you know, he, he really, he loved me and did what a thing. Let's talk about Jim Steinman and uh, Bat Out of Hell. I was surprised to find out that you actually met Meatloaf and Jim Steinman through comedy, not through music. Yeah. We were in a, the National Lampoon Show, mm-hmm. which was a comedy game with music review. Mm-hmm. We did it, you know, as a sort of a college tour. And at the time, Jim was writing the material for Bad Out of Hell. He and Meatloaf had worked together mm-hmm. down at to the public theater in a show that Jim had written. And, you know, he wanted to write this record for Meat. And so he came on board to be the music director, uh, then, you know, the, basically the piano player on this tour. He wrote Paradise. Mm-hmm around us, around me and Meatloaf. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It was actually written on the road. The part was written for you specifically. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, it it wasn't like, you know, here's here's a a session singer. Let's audition (laughs) people. I was there and and my voice was there and, and it was created. Yeah, uh, there's some amazing things about the recording of this that I learned recently. Maybe you can confirm. Was this really the first record that you ever sang on? Yes. Unbelievable. It was. And uh, you did the recording in one take? I did. Wow. And Well, what did I know? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I was used to performing live. I had I had bands, I had rock and roll bands, and I was, you know, a theater kid. And you get up and you do your best. And of course, I approached it like a theater yeah. piece because I had Meat come into, booth, into the booth with mm-hmm. me. So I could, I, I, he didn't sing his part because he, he did it separately. Yeah. 
But so I, I sang at him, to him, about about him all over him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I saw that in the interview that you said you didn't perform it with him, but you performed it at him. <laughs> which I think him, you can yes. really feel in the song. Yeah, exactly. We mentioned a lot of the impressive names who were the personnel on the album. Who impressed you at the time? Todd. I had been a fan of his since, you know, the late 60s. Hello, It's Me is still a song. It was just so emotional. And I was, you know, always in love with with Todd. And, you know, I mean, the fact that he took the chance, he paid for the recording. Mm. Todd, you know, we did it up in his studio. He paid for this whole thing. And I think he probably made his money. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> although, <laughs> although it's the music business, so who knows? Right? You know, he's, he's just so multi-talented. Mm. I told you I actually sat down and listened to the album the other day for the first time ever in my life yes. because I was going to do this. And when I saw the credit for Bad Out of Hell, and it said, you know, it tells you everybody who played what, and it said motorcycle guitar, Todd Rundgren. And the, the fact that that sound, the, the motorcycle, that was Todd's guitar. I was really humbled and very fascinated to learn that you actually had not sat down and listened to this record until we had asked you to to come on the show. Well, why is that? And what was it like to to hear that through for the first time for you? I I don't know. You know, there there became when I didn't tour with them, and when I you know when my now my dear friend Carla, she lip synced to my voice for the video, and then was like you know I kind of said this whole thing but and and you know i adored the music and everything but i hadn't sat down but last saturday i sat down with the lp and with the beat up record sleeve Mm -hmm. with all the lyrics on it and i tell you it was an intensely emotional experience Mm. it really really was i'm all over the thing Mm -hmm. i'm like like the first first third of the record you know, I'm everywhere. I'm like, okay, yeah, girl, you know, uh, but it's just, and it really made me want to reach out to both Meech and mm. Jim because they were just at the peak of, of any, you know, of, of the art, mm. of the form. And just, you know, there's not a lyric on that album that's a clunker. Mm. It was so funny at the time that he was still developing the record because Jim, he was a vampire. He didn't. <laughs> he would call you up at two o'clock in the morning. He called me Ellen Funky. He go, "Ooh, Funky, listen to this." <laughs> he would start bouncing his lyrics off you, and I'm uh. not saying it was just me. He did it to all his friends. And what the hell did I know? I'm like, "Yes, Jim. What is I going to say? No, it really the scansion doesn't really work for me. I would be like, so having been there for all that, and then sitting here, what is it for? Forty seven years mm. after experiencing that record was something else. Uh. It was intense. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm so glad you, uh, I'm, I'm I'm humbled that we gave you that opportunity and that you did that. You I can did. only imagine what that must have been like. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ellen, last thing I want to ask you about, we mentioned that you had worked with The Clash. Uh, there's a rumor going around that says that their hit song, Should I Stay or Should I Go, was actually about you. Can you tell us if that is true? It is not. Excellent. Why, how did that rumor get started? Do you know? It would probably kind of made sense because we were in a relationship and it wasn't exactly the, uh, the smoothest sailing in the world. You know, if there, you know, I always think if, if there had been 
uh, TMZ and all, and social media, you know, all, all that that had gone on would have been very common knowledge, but it wasn't. But it it was sort of nuts. And uh, but you know, no, it, it because that song does not reflect the relationship. Got it. And I'm and I'm sure so, I'm sure I'm sure a song about you would only be called "Of Course I'm Staying." Right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here, Ellen, as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we okay. asked of Will. First, we wanted to know who is that Hall of Fame baseball player and announcer that can be heard on Paradise by the Dashboard Light? Sarah, what did Will say? Will said Phil Rizzuto. And Ellen? Correct. That is correct, of course. The scooter. Very nice. That is a point there for Will. Next, we wanted to know who was that backup vocalist on the song who would go on to be heard as the male vocalist on Total Eclipse of the Heart. Sarah, what did Will say? Will said (laughs) Ted Nugent. Jokingly. 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 And Ellen? God forbid. It was Rory Dodd. Rory Dodd was that Rory Dodd. Rory Dodd is is all over, you know, all the beautiful male stacked with with Todd. And yes, he's the one. Turn around, pray. Mm-hmm. You know that that's Rory. Yes, that's Rory. Yes. Uh, all mm-hmm. right. Sorry, no point there for Will. And finally, wanted to know who was that iconic <laughs> female lead vocalist on Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Sarah, what did Will Leet say? Ellen Foley. Of course, I did. And Ellen. Yes, but you know what, <laughs> Will. Yes. Two out of three ain't bad. Oh, Thank look you. At that. Ah. Oh, my God. Ah. You have no idea how happy you have made a high school me. I tell you enough. Ah, this Slow is great. Crap. Well, Will, while we have Ellen here, anything else you'd like to ask or say to her? One thing I would like to know, you, like me, are from the Midwest. You're from St. Louis originally. I am from St. Louis. And you? I'm from about an hour and a half in Illinois. Uh, from the uh-huh. Cardinals fan. I grew up a diehard. I just came back from from seeing the Cardinals play baseball in London. That's how much that I love the Cardinals. So, You're yeah, so, kidding me. Yeah. So, so by all means, any I as, as someone that now lives in the South but lived in New York City for 13 years, anytime I find anyone from St. Louis, I used to host a Cardinals a viewing bar in St. Louis that Andy Cohen and John Hamm, both famous St. Louisans and Cardinals yes, fans, would yes. always come out to. So anytime oh, I see fun. a St. Louisan, I have to say hello. So uh, I'm honored, a fellow, a fellow uh, Midwesterner, St. Louis, a fellow Cardinals fan. Yeah. Well, I have exactly. to say, a, I have to say, I'm a Yankees fan, but uh, a fellow. That's all, I didn't a hear that. I'm just, it, it, okay. Yeah, in my memory, in my memory, you're, you're so hard. <laughs> Uh, and Lisa, I want to give you the opportunity since Meat Loaf's music has meant so much to you as well. Anything you'd like to ask or say to Ellen Foley? Ellen, I would love to say that I lost my virginity to Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I would love to say that, but I can't because I was a prude. And I will say, though, that if I had to do it all over again, I would do it. So okay. thank you for the gift you've given all of us. Maybe you can do it again. <laughs> I, I try. I try. Okay. Do it again. Born again. Know, they, don't, they don't have to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to know. Ellen, it's been such an honor to have you join us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Ellenfoley.com, I guess. Is that yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I have the, or my, I'm on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, yeah. Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy that you stopped by to see us today. Thank you again so much for joining us. Ellen Foley, everyone. Thank you for having me. Great to meet you all. Woo! So good to meet Woo! you, Ellen. That was great. Amazing. All right, Sarah, what is our score as we head into the final round? Going into the final round, Lisa Lampanelli has six points and Will Leach has eight and a half points. 
All right, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Lisa and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, please answer each statement with true or false. Here we begin. Lisa, in addition to her acting, Jane Fonda made exercise videos. True. That is correct. Will, Jane Fonda's exercise video series was called the Jane Fonda Workout. True. Correct. Lisa, from 1982 to 1995, there were over 20 titles in the Jane Fonda workout video series. I think that's false. Incorrect. No, there were. There are actually 22. Will, one video was called Jane Fonda's Pregnancy Workout. False. Incorrect. Nope. She really wanted the pregnant ladies to work out. Lisa, one (laughs) video was called Jane Fonda's Upper Body Solution. Well, that's false. Correct. Will, one video was called Jane Fonda's Lower Body Solution. (laughs) False. Incorrect. No, it really oh, was. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. That's not fair. <laughs> I, I, bring it up with Jane Fonda. Lisa, one video was intended for children seven years old and up. I'm so sad this is probably true. Correct. Will, one oh. video was intended for children three to seven years old. False. Incorrect. No, it really come was. On. Lisa, the one for children three to seven years oh, old was called what? Jane Fonda's Workout for Kids. Uh True. Incorrect. Will, it was called Jane Fonda's Elementary Workout. True. Oh, cute. Incorrect. It's cute, but I made it up. Lisa, it was called (laughs) Jane Fonda Needs More of Your Money. (laughs) No. True, untrue, false. (laughs) Correct. Will, it was called Jane Fonda Thinks Your Child Eats Too Much Processed Sugar. False. (laughs) Correct. And finally, Lisa, it was called Jane Fonda's Pretty Judgmental About Your Parenting. I mean, false. Correct. Yes, but you were tempted Thanks. to say it was true, which is, I think, the I point was. we're trying to make. I want to thank Lisa Lampanelli and Will Leach as Sarah tallies the final score. By the way, the video for three to seven-year-olds was called Jane Fonda's Workout Presents Funhouse Fitness, The Swamp Stomp. The one for seven and up was called Jane Fonda's Workout Presents Funhouse Fitness, The Funhouse Funk. All right, Sarah, are you ready to announce a winner on today's show? I am. At the end of the game, Lisa has nine points and Will has nine and a half points. Oh, my goodness. What a close game. But congratulations, Will Leach. You Very are the close. facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Will, what will you do with your championship? I will fund a remake of nine and a half weeks. Because, boy, <laughs> I mean, that, but I, 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 you know what? It's, gonna be, it's actually still going to have Mickey work now. Wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> Great. Um, we'll look forward to seeing that on Seed and Spark, I'm sure. All right. I want to give everyone here on the call a chance to mention or promote anything they might like. Lisa Lampanelli, where can people find you and what you're up to? Absolutely nowhere and doing absolutely nothing. You'll probably find me around town pretending to do good, but actually doing it solely for an ego hit. And you could also find me on Instagram at Lisa Lampanelli, where I never post anything but my dogs. <laughs> Excellent. You are nothing if not consistent. <laughs> it was an absolute delight to host you. Thank you for being here, Lisa Lampanelli. Thank you. Will Leach, what about you? My book is uh, The Time Has Come, uh, along with my book, How Lucky. You can find them at bookstores everywhere. I'm on, I have a free weekly newsletter at williamfleach.substack.com. And I have a Instagram that I use uh, also at William F. Leach, which I use to post only pictures of Lisa Lampanelli's dog. Wow. Yes. <laughs> 
What a coincidence. Yeah, cross promotion. There's a reason why we book the guests that we do. Uh, Will, congratulations again on the book, and thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is my actual partner, Sarah Rodenbaugh. Sarah, what do you have going on? Yay, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for letting me be part of this episode with all of you. This was so much fun. Uh, You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Sarah Rodenbaugh. Or if you're interested in knowing more about my short film, Hangman, you can find that at hangmanfilm.com or Hangman the Short Film on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Thank you so much for stepping in. I will see you uh, hopefully for the rest of my life. Sarah Rodenbaugh, everybody. (laughs) Uh, And me. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Lisa Lampanelli, Will Leach, Dev Shaw, Ellen Foley, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Leadora did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, I'm almost finished binging the whole series and will be so sad when I have to just sit around and wait for new shows to drop. Keep up the awesome J. Keith, Ellen, and Co. Thanks, Leodora. And Co., honey, that's you. Oh my god, I'm a Co. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the world. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, editor, and today's show engineer is Julian Burrell. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Nita. Quiz assistance provided by Brian Phillips and Bart Gold. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Velada. Special thanks to Becca McCarter at Scripps, Jane Morris, and Christian Malmeen. I'm Sarah Rodenbaugh. Let's go listen to Bat Out of Hell. Bat Out of Hell. B A T O U T O F H E double hockey sticks. <laughs> She's from the Midwest. <laughs> Maximum Fun. A worker owned network of artist owned shows supported directly by you.